Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's special guest is the editor and publisher of CannabisIndustryJournal.com. As part owner of the family-operated business, Innovative Publishing, he is responsible for managing and directing Cannabis Industry Journal. Innovative Publishing also owns FoodSafetyTech.com and MedTechIntelligence.com, two other business-to-business online trade journals. Prior to launching the cannabis arm of Innovative Publishing, he worked as an associate editor for foodsafetytech.com, and his background is in writing, journalism, marketing, environmental studies, social innovation, and design thinking. So without further ado, let's jump right on into it. Aaron Byros, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Glad to be here. Thank you, man. Um, Super excited to have you on the show. Uh, You and I have collaborated a lot. We've done a lot of work together. Uh, you've put together some really, really impressive conferences, uh, both virtual and now there's you know, going to be one coming up in person, which I would love to talk a little bit more about that with you today. But for those who aren't familiar with you or maybe they've just come across Cannabis Industry Journal uh, recently, why don't we just take listeners back to day one of how you kind of made that transition into the cannabis space and got to where you are today with, with all these projects? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let me set the stage for you uh, and take things back to 2015. Um, I just graduated college. I graduated from from Tulane University with a Bachelor of Arts in in May. And it it was was getting very hot in New Orleans. So I I moved back home. I moved back in with my family. And uh, my father is the, the president and founder of Innovative Publishing, which is the parent company uh, of CannabisIndustryJournal.com. And so, you know, he's got a a 45-year-long career in food safety, quality, pharmaceutical safety, pharmaceutical quality, and uh, medical device quality as well. So uh, he has a long history in this in this quality and safety arena. And, and he was actually uh, credited with helping uh, bring a lot of awareness and food safety to the 90s. Uh, this is, you know, around the time that I was born. Um, and, and he's credited with, uh, um, what was it? Um, he uh, helped raise awareness about an E. coli outbreak that uh, ended up killing uh, a handful of people uh, from from ground beef contamination. So that's kind of uh, uh, you know I, I realize that I'm backing up into into my dad's career now, but I just wanted to set the stage there because you know he is such a veteran of the food safety and food quality industry and has has been in that space for so long. So by the time I graduated college, I started working for him uh, under the FoodSafetyTech.com brand. Uh, I was an associate editor, and I came across uh, a couple articles from some other publications discussing food safety in the very new at the time uh, marijuana industry, the cannabis industry. And so we kind of I, I, I produced a series of articles around food safety, and also uh, we touched on sustainability a little bit um, with respect to cannabis infused products, primarily edibles. Uh, at that time, in 2015, you know, people call it the early days of the cannabis industry. It's been around for obviously a lot longer than that, but it was the early days of the legalized and regulated cannabis marketplace. So there really weren't that many regulations. 
quality was not at the top of very many people's minds. Um, food safety and product safety was really not on anybody's radar at all. So we produced that series of articles and it got a lot of traction really quickly on foodsafetytech.com. And I have to uh, give my father, Rick Byros, credit here. It was not my idea to start CIJ. Uh, he basically approached me and said, listen, let's start a third branch We're gonna of, of our business. We're gonna do exactly what we do with foodsafetytech.com and medtechintelligence.com, but apply it to the cannabis industry. So it was originally our focus was, was a heavy emphasis on lab testing, um, analytical chemistry and microbiology, testing for contamination, pesticides, um, uh, microbial contamination, um, residual solvents, heavy metals, uh, and then also, you know, the, the cannabinoid profile and, and potency panel as well. Um, so that's kind of how we got started. Uh, and since then, we've grown it in a lot of different directions, and uh, it's, it's continuing to, to grow to this day. That's awesome, man. And I mean, just from that story, and from everything that I've personally seen online and, and in working together, I feel like you make it look you and your team just make it look so easy and just so seamless. So I have to ask what has been, or what have been maybe like some of the most challenging obstacles that you've had to overcome in this process, especially building out a publication um, and an online place like CIJ. Yeah. So first off, thank you for, for saying that. Um, there's a lot of challenges with, that are, you know, unique to the cannabis space that we work <laughs> in and in a lot of challenges that are just in uh, business to business publishing. Um, to, to start off, you know, we, we started growing this, this platform, CannabisIndustryJournal.com, as a, a website, an online business to business trade journal that's going to be totally free. There weren't going to be any paywalls, no, no uh, subscription model, anything like that. Um, and we were going to do it completely organically. So with, without buying anybody's names, just, just word of mouth and a lot of, a, a lot of kind of guerrilla marketing, if you will. Some of the biggest challenges for us were, um, you know, speaking to the actual publication, uh, one outreach, uh, just getting the word out there was really difficult and um, competition from when we started it until uh, to this day, you know, there's, there's a handful of, of cannabis publications that uh, do things very, very well. And it's uh, hard to stay afloat and compete with a lot of other like-minded and also, you know, really professional organizations. I admire uh, a lot of my colleagues in the space a lot. And I, I think that there's room for everybody. Um, so, you know, outreach, getting, getting our name out there, competition. And the biggest challenge for us was definitely getting people to listen to our story. When you think of the cannabis industry in 2015, Again, you know, I, I spoke to the quality and safety aspect of uh, how we were trying to frame our, our publication in the business going forward. It was definitely a green banana back in 2015. People didn't really care that much about safety and quality. People were more concerned with legalizing cannabis, making sure that their business stays afloat, making sure that it's profitable and uh, producing 
good products. Now, when I say quality, there's a big difference between quality of a plant, uh, quality of the cannabis, you know, some, some great aesthetically pleasing buds with a beautiful terpene profile in a really gassy smell and a, and a beautiful buzz that you get from it. Uh, or, you know, uh, on, on the medical side, very therapeutic and, and active agent for helping whatever, whatever ailment you might have. But when I'm talking about quality, I'm talking about quality in manufacturing and quality in uh, producing cannabis and growing cannabis. So that often means things like quality assurance and quality controls, consistency, which is something that's still really new to the cannabis space. So yeah, we were a huge green banana and it took a while for people to come around. Um, you know, it's been just over seven years now since we started the business. And we're finally starting to get uh, some of the recognition and appreciation for a lot of the things that we've been publishing for seven years now, trying to protect consumer health, trying to protect patient health, and trying to um, instill a sense of quality in the cannabis space when it comes to consistency. Yeah, that's and that's such an important aspect of it that I, I almost feel like gets overlooked a lot. And so I'm happy that that you guys are, are really honing in on that aspect of the industry, because to your point, it's one thing to grow a really beautiful plant, but it's a totally different thing to do it over and over again and to make sure that there's consistency, not just in the plant, but in how it's processed. How does it go from you know being pulled out of the ground or being uh, clipped off the branch to then being put in capsule form? So then that that way a patient can take it and they don't have to necessarily smoke it or vaporize it or eat it in a brownie or whatever it might be. Um, so it's, would you say that, that that was a place of concern or something that you saw early on in the industry that was kind of like, hmm, you know what, like I, I definitely think we could be doing a better job with this. Um, and did, did that urge or did that itch kind of, you know, provide the drive for you guys to just keep pushing through and pushing through to where now seven years later, you're kind of like, okay, we finally got some traction. Like we're getting the recognition we deserve. People are starting to get it. Is that kind of how, how you would say that it like started and where, like where the passion came from for it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, our, our, our true goal was to, to help businesses produce safe products and to keep patients and consumers safe. Uh, you know, over the years, we've seen a number of recalls, um, some, 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 I don't want to call them bad actors because they're not, but, you know, some uh, instances over the past seven years where uh, cannabis products have threatened public health. To, to, to be blunt about it, you know, when it comes to uh, severe, severe pesticide contamination, a lack of stringent testing rules, um, uh, microbial outbreaks, uh, you know, mold and, and, and fungi growing on plants and not being tested, you know, we've worked with a lot of different laboratories and a lot of different companies to get the message out there that this is something that we need to pay attention to as an industry. Just like in the food industry, you know, uh, we, we on, on the food safety tech side of things, we partner with uh, Stop Foodborne Illness, which is a nonprofit 
And, you know, you go to a conference and, and you hear a, a talk by one of the um, one of the directors of the board of, of Stop Foodborne Illness and everybody in leadership in that organization are parents of um, children that have passed away due to um, food contamination, E. coli, salmonella illness, things like that. Um, so when, when we look at the cannabis industry and we look at safety and quality, we're thinking, okay, how can we prevent people from getting dangerously ill? And especially to, you know, a lot of the uh, medical patients that use cannabis as medicine, these are cancer patients. These are, um, you know, people with, with uh, seizure disorders um, and, you know, pretty severe conditions that usually come with immune, immunocompromised condition as well. So we need to protect these immunocompromised patients. We also need to protect anybody that takes cannabis or anybody that consumes cannabis rather. So when we started out, we wanted to be a resource, uh, just a, a resource for people to figure out how they can help produce safe products and quality products and consistent products. And, you know, over the years, it's, it's become, our, our mission has, has, has changed a little bit to become an authority on the subject, not just a resource with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, readily available white papers and contributed columns and feature articles on things like lab testing methods on, um, you know, keeping products safe and recall readiness, um, HACCP plans, that's hazard analysis and critical control points. Um, and most importantly, we wanted to be different from every other cannabis publication out there. And that's kind of how I think that we, we, we came to to want to be an authority on this subject. It's not just about being a resource for it. We need to make sure that we're disseminating only accurate information, that we're not contributing to this, this really wide world of misinformation in cannabis. Don't get me wrong. I think, I mean, there, there's, there's plenty of research out there and there's, there's plenty of studies and there's other resources besides my publication that have proven time and again that cannabis is a very, very effective medicine for a wide range of illnesses. Having said that, there are a lot of snake oils or there were, there's starting to be less, but there were a lot of snake oil salesmen, uh, misinformation, people just kind of saying that, that cannabis is a panacea, you know, a, a cure-all when it's not. Cannabis can do some pretty amazing things, but in order to, you know, say that it does these amazing things, we have to back it up with research and data. And so that coupled with, you know, only producing original content, we didn't want to produce any of the same articles that everybody else sees. And we wanted to grow completely organically. And we wanted all of our resources and information to be free. So that's kind of how we differentiate. And that's kind of the, shows you the genesis of from just becoming a resource in safety and quality to hopefully uh, being recognized as an authority on the subject. Totally. And I can, I can definitely, you know, applaud your work and making sure that whatever gets published is backed up either by research, science, data, and the focus on technology and quality has definitely come through in a lot of the content that I've personally seen. Anytime I go on just to consume content or just to see what's happening, what latest and greatest is out there in this, in this niche. Aaron, one thing I wanted to ask you too was, I'm sure by way 
of the publication and just by the nature of, of your work, you probably run into a lot of cool people, a lot of interesting people. So what, what are some of the, the more fun moments or some of the most memorable moments that you've had um, since embarking on this cannabis industry journey of yours um, throughout the process? Have you met anybody that's like super, super memorable or connected with folks that have just really, you know, left a mark on you? Um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you for the fun question. <laughs> um, so, you know, to, to start off, I, uh, I definitely have a, a handful of, of, of funny stories from the early days of starting this. Uh, and, and most of these stories kind of come from going to conferences. Um, and, and that's definitely one of the, the best aspects of my job is the amount of travel that I do, uh, going to all these cities in places where cannabis is legal and uh, meeting a lot of very interesting people. The, I, I, I can't remember his name, but the very first conference I went to, I met um, the guy that was the founder and spokesman for Men's Warehouse. The, uh, <laughs> I remember seeing him at a conference. I was like, I think I know that guy from a commercial or something. He looks over at me and points and goes, you're going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. And I was like, no way that's him. Oh God. So funny. Um, but you know, I, I, I think some of the most fun aspects of, of what we do on a, on an annual basis have to be one, our, our, our 420 articles. Um, that's, that's, you know, we, we see a lot of people will, do some more serious content, which I really, really appreciate. But we like to have a lot of fun on 420. And as I'm sure you're aware, being in, in the you know public relations and communication space, you get your inbox flooded for about two weeks before April 20th with all of these ridiculous pitches, re, uh, dispensaries doing discounts. Uh, and, and so I like to compile a list of all of the most ridiculous PR pitches that I get and just put them out there. And I mean, you know, it's, it's free marketing for, for everybody that, that sends them in. So it's not like I'm making fun of people there. It's just really funny, you know, seeing a, a sandwich shop roll out a special where they serve chicken nuggets on a Frisbee or uh, a lube company running a four, 42% discount on, on their infused lubricant. Um, and then in the same month in April, uh, we, did, we didn't do it this year, unfortunately. I, I really wish I did. Uh, but I, I got married on April 2nd. Uh, so I was a little out of pocket for um, our, our usual April Fool's Day article. But we have a lot of fun with April Fool's too. Uh, a couple of years ago, I worked with a handful of growers out in Eugene um, who, you know, were seeing... A lot of these, and this is this is back in like 2018 or so, before we saw a real, um, you know, consolidation uh, and and uh, appreciation for various certifications when it comes to cultivation. So a lot of companies were were rolling out different um, green, if you will, uh, certifications that growers could put on their product if they upheld to certain standards. They were kind of similar to organic. Mm. Some of them were a bit crazier than others. Some of them are still exist and are, and are really, really awesome certifications. Um, but 
there was an, an influx, a flooding of, of, you know, dozens and dozens of different certifications and consumers would walk into a shop and, you know, try and find this very obscure certification on a product. Point is, these, these growers in Eugene, uh, Adam Jacques and um, a number of other guys approached me to do an April Fool's article on dolphin safe cannabis. So this is cannabis that's grown in a way that won't harm any dolphins whatsoever. And it turns out uh, a lot of people, too many people thought that it was a serious certification. And I invite you to just 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 search dolphin or dolphin safe on cannabisindustryjournal.com and scroll down to the comments section because it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, be, beyond that though, um, uh, there, there are a lot of rewarding aspects uh, with with start you know running this this publication. Um, going back to I, I I can't even remember when this was 2018 or 2019. Um, Roger Stone was going to speak or was going to headline at a, at a cannabis conference in New York. And this was, uh, no, sorry, it was, it was definitely back in 2016 because it was uh, right around the time that, that uh, Donald Trump was elected president, unfortunately. Um, and so Roger Stone, if you don't know about him, he's a, a, a right-wing kind of political operative. Uh, he's not, he, he has a long past of, of, you know, saying some really awful things in public and uh, we got wind that that he was he was uh, going to keynote this conference, and so I produced an article on it, uh, basically saying, "Don't let Roger Stone keynote the conference." Uh, we worked with the Minority Cannabis Business Association um, and uh, a couple other organizations whose names are escaping me at the moment. But basically, we we petitioned uh, the conference to to please cancel Roger Stone's. Uh, speaking engagement because he's made anti-Semitic remarks. He's made racist remarks in the past. He's extremely right-wing. He's a Trump supporter, as we are aware now. Um, and so uh, at the time, it was uh, Reverend Al Sharpton was also uh, slated to, to keynote that conference. And I wrote an email to Reverend Al Sharpton's press office saying, hey, I uh, want to get, get your comment on this because it looks like you're scheduled to speak alongside Roger Stone. And uh, are you aware of, of a lot of the remarks he's made in the past and, and why we're petitioning the conference to not let him speak? And uh, within a half hour, I, I, I went on a bike ride. Uh, you know, I was still working on a story, but I, I took a break from work, went on a bike ride and got a phone call. And I look at the number, couldn't recognize it. And, you know, in this day and age, people usually just kind of send a voicemail. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'll take this call. And it was Al Sharpton himself calling me to, to leave comment. And he basically left a comment saying we had no idea that he was speaking at this conference. Uh, sounds like he shouldn't be. And he was in agreement with us in the Minority Cannabis Business Association. Uh, it, moral of the story is um, it was impactful. It was meaningful to us, and um, it was pretty cool to get Al Sharpton to call me on my cell phone. <laughs> um, and then one other very, very rewarding part of my work that I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, are the social equity stories. And we just published one a couple days ago. Um, that's that's really cool. Back in I think it was 2020, 
um, this this woman, Tanisha Thomas, submitted an op-ed to CannabisIndustryJournal.com, uh, basically about, this is right around the time that Illinois legalized cannabis and launched their social equity program, you know, to not only help people that are coming from communities particularly harmed by the drug war, but also to give priority to folks who have been incarcerated, who have gone to prison for cannabis, to give them priority in the licensing process to make sure that they will be able to participate in this new legal cannabis industry. So Tanisha submitted this article about her husband, Christopher Lacey, who was a social equity applicant in Illinois at the time. Um, And he went to prison for three years for, for growing cannabis. Um, he grew up in a really, really poor neighborhood outside of Chicago. Um, he's a, a first generation um, away from uh, sharecropping. His, his father was a sharecropper in Mississippi before they moved the family up to Illinois. And I just did a Q&A with him a couple of days ago. That's, that's live on the site now. And it's such a powerful story. It's incredibly meaningful to me. Um, you know, this guy has gone through it all, um, growing up in an extremely poor community, uh, surrounded by gangs and, 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 and gun violence and, um, you know, lost some friends and, uh, struggled to grow up and, and got into growing cannabis, got put in jail for that, got out, became a truck driver just to support his family, um, was really sick of it. And by the time that cannabis was legalized, he was ready to jump back in the market. So the success story of him is that uh, he just won a license uh, to, to grow cannabis in New Jersey and is now, um, you know, launching a, a cannabis business in New Jersey and, and he's on the up and up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, a, I, I don't want to talk too much more about it. It's really, really inspiring story. Um, just, just check out the article on cannabisindustryjournal.com. It's called, uh, it's called the story of Chris Lacey, social equity and hope in cannabis. Again, really inspiring stuff. Love that guy. It was a lot of fun to work with him on it. Um, and, and just really, really meaningful part of, of my work. Sorry. I know that was a bit of a ramble, but wanted, wanted to include those tidbits in there. Oh, that was, that was so relevant and so, so perfect, man. And I think, you know, in, in addition to to Chris's story being so inspiring and, and being an example of what, so, what social equity is all about or what it should be all about, um, you know, I, I just want to come in, you know, folks like yourselves that are actually bringing this to the forefront, putting a spotlight on it and actually sharing with the mainstream or the general public, what this is all about, because if they just hear bits and pieces here and there, they're not going to get the full picture. And it's going to be so much harder for us to move this entire industry and community forward and educating everybody with the right information, the right facts and the right stories of how things actually pan out. So I look at folks like yourselves, you know, playing just as an important role and writing history in a way. And I always like, I always like to remind guests too, like if you're sharing stories and you're a part of this, like you are writing history. So when we, when we look back in five, six, seven years, it's going to be pretty cool to see, you know, what stories you covered, who you connected with, who you featured, where they were at in their journey 
along the way where you were able to kind of help, you know, put them on a pedestal and just give them the spotlight to help others, to help others, to help others, to help others, and kind of create that snowball effect. Um, so with, with all of that said, what are some cool things such as events or, or webinars or virtual conferences that I know you guys host uh, that might be coming up in the near future that you'd like to share with people? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, we do webinars uh, just about once a month. We, we do 12 of them throughout the year. And we call them virtual conferences because they're uh, four back-to-back -back presentations all on the same day. And they're always free to attend, which is cool. Um, we separate them into different verticals of the market. And like I was mentioning earlier in this conversation, you know, lab testing being our bread and butter, we do cannabis labs virtual conferences uh, once a quarter. So we just had one a, a couple of weeks ago in, in our next uh, cannabis labs virtual conference is coming on September 13th. Um, but before then, we have our Cannabis Extraction virtual conference coming up on August 2nd. Um, but the big event of the year uh, will be the, the Cannabis Quality Conference and Expo, which is happening October 17th to the 19th of this year, 2022. Uh, it's taking place in Parsippany, New Jersey. It's North Jersey. It's a, it's a short train ride from Newark International Airport or from Penn Station. Uh, it'll be at the Hilton there. And we're really excited for that program. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's a three-tracked program. It's uh, three days of, you know, nonstop educational sessions. Uh, it's definitely very focused on the tri-state area. We have a lot of talks on regulatory compliance in New Jersey, uh, legalization updates in New Jersey and in New York, some testing regulations for Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, some talks on licensing, some talks on quality in the retail ecosystem, things like standardization. We've got uh, uh, members of USP, AOAC, ASTM, AHPA, and um, discussing the, the future of standardization in cannabis. Um, We've got some, a, a very exciting panel on the future of East Coast cannabis, social equity, justice, and legalization. Uh, my good friend, Ernest Tony, he's the founder of BIPOC Can, is leading that. Um, and Toy Hutchinson, the president and CEO of the Marijuana Policy Project, is delivering a keynote along with uh, Edmund DeVoe, the president of the New Jersey Cannabis Business Association. So we've got a lot of content, a, lo a lot of great talks. Again, it's a three-tracked program. Um, and I I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, give a shameless plug here that our early bird pricing uh, is, is live now through July 31st. And you can go to cqcexpo.com to, to check out the full agenda and, and learn more about it. That's awesome, man. And I'm super excited to see how, how it pans out. Um, I'm going to do my best to make my way down there, uh, if possible. And I've for sure, I've, I've always checked out the, the virtual conferences, um, and I can recommend to listeners that they are super, super informative and good to tune into. Um, even if you're just having it, you know, opened up in the background while you're doing some work and just listening to, to some of those golden nuggets and tidbits, uh, it's just an unbelievable resource to be able to access folks, uh, that, you know, just focus on this stuff day in and day out and are true experts yeah. in this. Um, and so Aaron, I always like to wrap up each show by asking the guest, what is one golden nugget that you may have picked up along the way in your cannabis journey, where looking back at it, you say to yourself, you know what, if I wasn't 
doing this in the cannabis industry and I was working in a more traditional industry or space, I probably wouldn't have learned what I learned. So what, what is that, you know, one golden nugget, or maybe you have a couple uh, that you might want to share. Yeah. I, I think this is, is very, very specific to the cannabis industry and something that you really don't see in, in other, you know, walks of life, other business environments. And that's that sense of community that, that we see in the cannabis space, it's really, really strong. And there's a lot to be said about it. You know, people will say that um, everybody thinks they're a master grower <laughs> or, uh, or, you know, everybody thinks that their weed is the best, which, which can be true a lot of the times. But for real, there is this really, really powerful and strong sense of community, almost family. When I started Cannabis Industry Journal in 2015, I felt like I was welcomed with open arms by almost everybody that I met. And I met some lifelong friends, um, you know, this community of, of people that, that write for me, uh, our readers that comment regularly or tune into our LinkedIn group, um, a lot of our advertising clients, and even a lot of our competitors. I, I, we, we touch base on a pretty regular basis. I'll see them at con conferences and we'll have lunch and catch up. Everybody plays really nicely in the sandbox I've found. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's, it, it seems obvious once I say it because cannabis isn't legal everywhere yet. So there's, there's a, a clear call to action with this sense of community is spread the word, be active, get engaged, do something to help move this industry forward to get it legalized in more states around the country, around the world. It's this feeling that like, we're all in it together. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not us versus everybody else. It's, it's this massive industry and not just industry. It's this massive sense of community, everybody coming together to move on one particular issue. And it's, it, it's been great. It's, it's felt like family. And, uh, you know, again, I, I felt like I was welcomed into this, this really, really awesome community. Yeah, man, I, I totally agree. I thousand percent and that's why a lot of times even when i personally refer to to the industry i i will say you know cannabis industry and community because that's really what it feels like and um it's just it's really nice to be able to just tap on people's shoulders and you know ask for resources or you know hey can i have an introduction to so and so and everybody's kind of got that same north star where they want legalization but the right kind of legalization also um, not just kind of whatever they, you know, push in front of us and say, take it or leave it. It's kind of like, no, 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 no. We want this done, but we want this done the right way. And so it's so nice to see everybody coming together to kind of, you know, pave the way forward towards that North star and be so willing to help each other out while on that same path forward. So I totally agree with you. Um, Aaron, thanks again for, for your time today. I really appreciate it. I know you've got your hands in, involved in a lot of cool different things. Uh, so for folks who might want to reach out to you to learn more about the upcoming in-person event, the virtual conference, um, or just, you know, have questions about CIJ, what's the best way for folks to maybe, you know, get more information about that or even reach out to you directly? Yeah, yeah. Um, the best way would be to go to CannabisIndustryJournal.com and uh, go to the Contact Us page. Um, that goes right to my email and then you'll, you'll have my email from there. It's also abyros at innovativepublishing.net. Um, you can find me on Twitter at cannabis editor too, uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, or come see me in New Jersey at the cannabis quality conference, October 17th. 
Um, but yeah, you know, Mike, thank you so much for, for having me on here. Uh, absolute pleasure talking with you. Loved doing this and, um, you know, looking forward to seeing you again. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. And same goes to you, man. Um, all right. That'll do it for this week's episode. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one talk at a time.